ready to put all our tables six feet apart. If we're at capacity and we have a waiting line, we're going to go with the WEDC guidelines of one person is stays and then the rest have to wait in their car. That's Wisconsin, where they're, what are they doing in Wisconsin? Open them back up again? That's a restaurant owner. Hello. Yes, they are. Um, the uh, One of the reasons is, number one, Wisconsin was moving like most states at this point to figure out what's a sensible way to stop ruining the economy, ruining people's lives, you know, quashing the spirit of their people maybe the, maybe by the, opening up some. Maybe the best way to get into this is to mention the breaking news that there are another three million jobless claims this week, bringing the total to over 35 million. No, it's now more than 36 million. I'm sorry. Right. 36 million in eight weeks that have lost their jobs because of the economic shutdown. Right. Back to Wisconsin. Right. So the Wisconsin Supreme Court has struck down the extension of the stay-at-home order. And it's funny. Everybody is reporting, for instance, this headline from the USA Today, Wisconsin Supreme Court strikes down governor's stay-at-home order. I saw on Twitter that Tim Sandifer said these headlines are inaccurate. It was the, um, and he used the formal designation, the formal uh, title, but it's essentially the the state health lady. Mm. Um, and, and some might say, well, that's a distinction without a difference because it's the administration that shut it down. But I do think there's a significant constitutional question uh, because the judges said, look, governor, you're consulting the health lady. You're not consulting the legislature. And that's improper. It's got to be done through regular government channels. This is not... And I don't have the uh, the decision in front of me, but essentially... Look at those guys in Wisconsin at the bar. Huh? Did you see that down at the bottom of the screen? A whole bunch of look-like guys. I'm, I used to live in Wisconsin. But it looked like a bunch of Wisconsin guys at a bar having a great time. Cheers, I was with them right now. Cheers. Uh, but uh, the, one of the messages, and this has been our message for a very long time, is, all right, this whole, our hair is on fire, it's an emergency period, I think that's passed. I think the time, and the Wisconsin judges have agreed, the time has come for regular governing, please, not dictates from on high. It was only four to three, four of the conservative-leading judges joining together. The fifth conservative wrote a dissent joined by the two liberals. The ruling immediately lifts all restrictions on businesses and gatherings imposed by the administration's order, but keeps it in place, keeps in place the closure of schools until the fall. Oh, well, that's fine. I don't think many people are going to argue about that. But uh, the businesses, restaurants, all that sort of stuff. So it removes all. So there's no capacity restrictions for restaurants, things like that. It's up to the like that restaurant was saying. It's up to us to figure out how we want to handle wait lines, stuff like a, that. A, a good question, but that is not the answer. Um, and this is this is the way it should be. With no COVID-19 policies in place, writes the USA Today, which is left. Bars, restaurants, and concert halls are allowed to reopen unless local officials implement their own restrictions. I would add, based on local conditions sure. and the actual level of risk. Oh, no! It's a, oh, my God, they actually used the phrase. That raises the prospect of a patchwork of policies with rules varying significantly from one county to the next. What is it about <laughs> the progressive know. soul that can't stand local governance? I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I I mentioned this a week or so ago when I saw Martha Radich on ABC this week, and she was talking to somebody and say, one county says this, another town says that. I mean, how are people supposed to know what's going on? Well, first of all, the, the 
those people who live there don't live there and vice versa. Right. <laughs> they don't live in both places. That's the start. Secondly, it's not that difficult, really. I uh, I work in a different county than I live, and I Me know the too. different rules. And I, I, my head doesn't seem to be exploding. No, and I totally get why the urban county where I work has different rules, Martha, than the rural county where There's I live. patchwork of rules. It's mixed messages. We really need to have one rule for the entire planet. The fact that they have a different rule in the United States than China is confusing right. to people. Right, we need what we need central guidance here. Jeez, and you wonder why they love big government so much. Anyway, uh, good job, Wisconsin. Uh, Out oh. at the bars. Huh? Oh, my God, the bars I, there are so I, good. They're I have a so feeling fun. there's going to be more of these court rulings coming out yep. in a somewhat rapid right. manner in the next several as weeks. Sean, as Sean has been saying, we gave you two months. Yeah. Now we're going back to our lives. Figure it out. Right. You had two months. Right. The Sorry curve, it didn't work out the way you wanted, but you got to figure it out. Not only is the curve flat, it's going downward. In most places, we didn't overwhelm the hospitals. We gave you time to adjust the supply chain issues, ramp up production, if that's what we need on various yeah. uh, PPE, testing, whatever. But and, and we've ended up killing the hospitals, by the way. But yeah, but we can't we can't just hide this out. That's not right. how this is going to work. Right. No, it's impossible. It is impossible. And the monomania, the fixation, the obsession with COVID cases has has utterly silenced all of the other factors, the other, uh, you know, needs, the, the important needs, some of which relate directly to the loss of life. And more cases is an artifact of more testing, which is a good thing. Right. No kidding. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some of the rules are just so dumb. We've, we've become, we've granted people who have a single objective power over all of the objectives. The health lady in your county has silenced the entire business community, and business is what supports life. It supports feeding, medicating, clothing, educating, and and you know, and saving the lives of people. It's this is just such a ridiculous, panicky response. I want to get to this uh, very serious and important story. Uh, can you get the COVID nineteen twice? Can you? Can you? I hope not. But first. But first, and I wish I could give all of the examples of that this writer writes, but Travis dropped us an email on the topic of sports, and specifically hockey without fans. He's a big hockey fan, as, as am I. I think you're missing something here. Hockey without fans would be the absolute best. Hockey chirping is some of the funniest and most interesting subculture to any sport. Verbal sparring is a big part of the game, and a lot of it is so so absurd, it's hilarious. Um, and, and he hits us with a lot of hockey, um, what would you call it, uh, common insults that are thrown around the ice by hockey players. Most of it is obscene, um, but it is absolutely hilarious. And, I'm unfamiliar with hockey vernacular. Uh, yeah, it's it's a very mouthy game. Because there's there's a lot of tension and violence. Can you understand them? Because they don't have very many teeth, most of them. Well, and often they have mouth guards in these days, so it's even more garbled. But, uh, yeah, that would be hilarious. Plus, you know, as a hockey fan and former hockey player, to hear them calling out defensive assignments and and that sort of thing and hear the coach's coach, because all you can see on TV is them bellowing. And maybe you make out a word or two, but yeah, that would be great. I would absolutely love that. Same with basketball, but the same problem. It would have to be on HBO or something because there would be so many obscenities they could never have it on uh, 
on network TV. Breaking Wisconsin comment, the governor has just blasted the Supreme Court and said they've decided that facts don't matter. Oh, for God's sake. Do we have do we have to repeat ourselves on the whole? <laughs> We're gonna open up based on facts and science. That is such a dodge and a lie, my friends. I was gonna write a, a, a learned and persuasive editorial on that topic yesterday, Jack, but you know what I did instead? I played golf. <laughs> <clears throat> because I'm a man who craves leisure. <laughs> And the way I played, I'd have been better off writing the editorial. But anyway, that is such a dodge. Hey, folks, let me let me hip you to this. That is such a political strategy. If you can convince the people that there's only one question, and that one question will be answered by that lady over here or that guy over there, whether it's your local county health official or Dr. Fauci, that completely removes the responsibility for policy decisions from the shoulders of the politician. They can say, well, yes, we've we've ruined the economy. We now have rampant unemployment. 750,000 people have died deaths of despair or untreated cancer or untreated heart disease or, or whatever. But hey, it wasn't my decision because we opened up based on science, meaning the opinion of Dr. Fauci. So it's not on me. That is such a huge dodge. And they deny the plain reality that we must weigh the COVID and we must weigh the deaths of despair, of untreated illness, of unemployment, of the children not learning, of the childhood depression and anxiety. This is a complex decision. I'm not saying it's an easy one. But the constant bellowing of we're going to open up on based on data and science. Gavin Newsom, I'm looking at you, governor of Wisconsin, Andrew Cuomo, I'm looking at you. Bellowing that is a dodge, and it's a lie. And we're on to you. Um, one of my favorite legal minds, Jonathan Turley, has just weighed in on the whole Flynn, Obama, Gates unmasking story. Excellent. And I do have to get to the COVID-19 thing. Can you get it twice thing? All that on the way on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. Broadway producers announced yesterday that theaters will remain closed through at least September 6th due to the coronavirus pandemic. Then after that, they're going to keep crowds small with shows like An Evening with Seth Meyers. Oh, come on. What? What? An evening? He was making fun of... Oh, they're going to keep shows small. By like featuring... Like An Evening with Self-Deprecating. Yeah, yeah I got yeah. it. Okay, that was just great, Seth. <laughs> Thanks. Jeez. Wow. Your show will be small because you're not funny. What? Actually, he's very funny. Uh, right, so here's uh, one. Uh, can you get the COVID-19 twice? Everybody wants to know that. Yep. Um, and uh, do they know that yet? Do they Have they nailed that down? Coming up, CNN's expert coronavirus panel has grown by one. They've decided to add to their coronavirus expert panel one Greta Thunberg. I know, I love that story. Also coming up, uh, we're going to get into the whole Flynn unmasking, why this is a big deal uh, from Jonathan Turley, law professor at George Washington University, I believe. Anyway, Mm, I think that's right. He's considered fair, I think, by almost everybody. Uh, It's really interesting, the latest, so stay tuned. Mm -hmm. 
So uh, the the Q and A for the from the Wall Street Journal uh, goes as follows: I recently recovered from the COVID nineteen. Does that mean I can't get it again? Um, most uh, the answer is most scientists say that people who've had uh, the Chairman Xi's Chinese bat fever gain some immunity to the virus that causes it. What they don't know is whether that protection lasts a few months, a few years, or a lifetime. The immune system wards off infections by producing antibodies that fight invaders. Um, a range of hereditary, hereditary and environmental factors can affect the strength and longevity of these defenses. Immunity also depends on the pathogen. For example, infection by a virus that causes measles confers lifelong immunity. Others, like the influenza virus, can mutate so rapidly that protective antibodies might not recognize the new strain when it comes. So you can be reinfected by... It's essentially the same disease. It's just changed enough that you know it's unrecognized. The novel coronavirus mutates more slowly than the influenza virus. That gives researchers hope that any natural immunity or vaccine would offer more lasting protection. Um, even if someone gets sick again, researchers believe a second infection might be milder than the first. So more questions than answers, although so far the scientists think this is not one of the bad ones in that regard. It might not be one of the great ones, but it, it probably somewhere in the middle. Um, and and beyond that, um, beyond that, it's it's mostly just preliminary studies and and um, well, they do mention that South Korean officials are refraining from labeling people who test positive again as reinfections. Korean doctors involved in a continuing government review believe that those patients likely harbored low levels of the virus that. This uh, diagnostic test failed to pick up. In later stages of the disease, the virus settles into the lungs where it can elude detection. So they aren't reinfected. They just hadn't gotten uninfected. Well, there you have it. Uh, jobless numbers out. Another about 3 million people that filed for unemployment help last week. And uh, so now we're at about 36 million people have lost their jobs in eight weeks, which is just beyond anything. It's not even in the realm of possibility. Uh, two months ago, that that could happen ever. Well, and that number is absolutely an underestimate because you combine the number of people who haven't gotten through yet with the number of people, and I actually know a couple of people in real life who just, they started the process and realized it was so onerous and slow and ridiculous that they would just find a side hustle. Never mind. And then uh, how many people have taken a pay cut of some sort? Whether right. it's uh, you got to take a vacation without pay or whatever it is. There's the, Everybody I know. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's one level or another. My life can largely be described as a vacation without pay. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the the economic disruption is is awful and we must mitigate it as quickly as possible. Luckily, 17 year old climate activist Greta Thunberg, I or you know, a lot of people pronounce it different ways, but um, has been added to the coronavirus facts and fears expert panel. How dare you? On CNN. Sanjay Gupta, there are doctors on there. Former Health and Human Services Secretary, her name sounds like a disease, Kathleen Sebelius. Uh, various disease control specialists. Uh, CNN anchor Anderson Go- uh, Cooper is also on the panel. Uh, me, social their media- own anchor is on their panel? Uh, he's, well, he's probably, uh, he'll host it. Okay. Moderating the panel. But social media watchdogs are foaming at the mouth over the choice to place the teen climate activist on the panel with public health experts. You can imagine some of the reaction. 
Uh, it's, it's essentially, well, it's exactly what you'd expect. WTF. Greta Thunberg, now she's a COVID expert? CNN is a joke. Not picking on the kids, said another. Picking on a news network for featuring a child to inform the public. How dare you! <laughs> uh, th- wow, this is an odd reaction. This is, this is definitely a social justice warrior. Unqualified men appear on cable all day, every day, bloviating endlessly. But Greta Thunberg is a bridge too far? Okay. Uh, you know what? Sometimes I'm not I gonna get... waste my breath on you. Sometimes... You have stolen my dreams. No, I didn't. There's a there's a there's a way of speaking on Twitter. They're like you know the like it's practically like an accent. Yeah, I mean, there's a just snide a... superiority. Yeah, 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 that is so common that sometimes I just get worn out of it. Even if it's people who agree with me, it's just yeah. do we always have to take this tone? The, right, the sarcastic snide. You yeah. want to get Mexican food tonight instead of a pizza for the 50th time? Fine. I mean, if your relationships were like Twitter, you would hate everyone. <laughs> oh, yeah, no you kidding. would hate everyone in your life. With your empty words. <laughs> so as more is coming out while we're on the air with various people commenting on the news of yesterday and Michael Flynn and the unmasking and how the uh, Russia investigation started and all that sort of stuff. We need to delve into that a little bit. Trump's been tweeting about it today. We can uh, take a look at that. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty exciting. So Yes. Um, I-, I think you'll find this interesting. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I was aware that there was that they asked for an investigation, but that's all I know about it. And I don't think anything else. And he said he didn't know anything about it. And now it just gets released right after he said that it gets released that he was one of the unmaskers, meaning he knew everything about it. This was all Obama. This was all Biden. These people were corrupt. They have now found that Vice President Biden is guilty of using government to go after a political opponent. So that's Joe Biden on AB on um, Good Morning America with George Stephanopoulos. George Stephanopoulos asks him a question about the whole thing. He says, I, don't, I didn't know anything about it. Well, we now know you were at the meeting. Oh, I thought you asked something different. Yes, I did know about that. I didn't know. It's, it sounded bad. My only defense for Joe Biden is I don't think he has got the, the faculties to actually dodge something. That's a pretty weak defense. <laughs> I don't think he can keep enough complicated stuff straight in his head with timelines and everything like that. I apologize. I think he's just a confused that. old man. But uh, then Trump weighing in, of course, on it. And then Rand Paul saying, hey, look, this is this is what we think that's going on. Well, those are all partisans, all those people. How about Jonathan Turley, who, to my mind, is not a partisan. He's a law professor at George Washington University. And um, he's one of those people that at various times is loved or hated by the left or the right. Mm-hmm. He seems to just weigh in on how he sees it as a law professor. And sometimes the left loves him. He's a regular on uh, ABC This Week. Um, he's a regular on the Hill, which is a left organization. He's, he's uh, Alan Dershowitzish. Yeah, he's definitely not a Fox, uh, um, uh, you know, always on Fox, always standing up for Trump sort of guy. I point that out because he's got this out today, the unmasking of Joe Biden. The declassification of material from the Michael Flynn case has exposed more chilling details of a concerted effort by prosecutors to come up with any crime to use against the former national security advisor. This week, however, a letter revealed a new unsettling detail. 
among more than three dozen Obama administration officials asking to unmask Flynn from the investigation was former Vice President Joe Biden. As you heard said on ABC this week, I don't don't know anything about it. This revelation came less than 24 hours after Biden denied any involvement in the investigation of Flynn. It also follows a disclosure that President Obama was following that investigation. For three years, many in the media have expressed horror at the idea of the Trump campaign colluding with Russia to influence the 2016 presidential election. We now know there was never, there never was credible evidence of such collusion. In recently released transcripts, a long list of Obama administration officials admitted they never saw any evidence of such collusion. None. That included the testimony of Evelyn Farkas, a former Obama security advisor who was widely quoted in her public plea for Congress to gather the evidence that she learned as part of the Obama administration. The the media widely covered her alarm that this evidence would be lost, quote, if they found out how we knew what we knew about their, the staff, Trump staff dealing with Russians, unquote. Yet in her previously classified testimony under oath, she repeatedly said, I don't know anything. She's now running for Congress in New York and highlighting her role in raising the alarm over the Russia collusion. Wow. As much of people will just say anything. And the media will go along with it. Yes. Which is part of Turley's point. As much of the media blindly pushed the Russian collusion, collusion story, a truly alarming story has unfolded in plain view. The use of national security power to investigate an opposing political party and opponents. There's little question that the response by the media to such a story would have been overwhelming if George Bush and his administration had targeted Obama campaign figures with secret surveillance. That story would have become an all-encompassing if it was become all-encompassing if it was learned that there was no direct evidence to justify the investigation and ultimately the underlying allegation of collusion was found to lack any credible basis. However, the motivation and means of Obama officials are not to be questioned apparently. This is pretty strong stuff from Jonathan Turley. He's not a he's not a bomb chucker. And brilliantly put, as usual. The uh, the motivations of Obama officials are not to be questioned. Apparently, indeed, when candidate Donald Trump claimed the Obama administration was putting his campaign under surveillance, the media universally mocked him. It was later proven to be true. The Obama administration used the secret Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act (FISA) court to conduct surveillance of Trump campaign officials. The FBI even falsified key evidence to continue that surveillance. Yet none of that matters. The media is now fully invested in the original false allegations of collusion. If Obama administration officials were to be questioned now, the coverage and judgment of media might be placed into question. Yeah. Ah, okay. All right. So it's not purely partisanship. It's embarrassment. They just are... are so motivated to put all of this behind us. Even this latest disclosure of the unmasking request of Biden will not alter the media narrative. Yeah, that is interesting. That's interesting. So his belief is they can't at this point. They're so invested that you'd just be throwing open the doors of the Washington Post, New York Times, all these different organizations, MSNBC, CNN, would just have to say, yeah, you really can't follow us because we'll do anything. Right. So right. what are you going to do? There was a time when all of this did matter, though. Indeed, there was a time when this would have been viewed as the story of the century, including the unmasking of Biden himself in this investigation. But this is not those times. This cannot be a story, you see. Oh, yeah, substitute Dick Cheney for Joe Biden and imagine the fervor. Russian collusion was a story, and as Biden stressed, the rest of it is just a diversion. The public, however, will have to decide who was ultimately unmasked by the Flynn investigation. This is the strongest stuff I've ever heard out of Jonathan Turley. Mostly blasting the media. Well, he's saying it's chilling what the Obama administration did. 
as a constitutional law professor, he thinks it's chilling what they did, spying on an incoming president. Right. You you should think that's chilling. But he's horrified that the media is just not going to report it, and they're going to go with Joe Biden's. This is a diversion, trying to distract from their their poor handling the coronavirus. Right. Well, and I would point out that even if the intentions of uh, Barack Obama, Joe Biden, Clapper, Comey, Strzok, Page, all those people, even if their intentions were perfectly pure, the idea of our system is you don't get to, for instance, beat the hell out of a suspect because, well, he's a criminal. You don't get to, you know, uh, hold his mother hostage to get a confession because he's a criminal. You still have to follow the rules, even if your intentions are 100% pure. That's that's what our system is based on. So no matter their intentions, whether they're political or, or you know, they're afraid Trump is in Putin's pocket, they still need to be busted. Now, my personal opinion is they had uh, multiple enthusiasms. They may have actually thought there was something hinky going on with Russia, and they just loved the idea of discrediting Trump. Well, they also, yeah, they they, they also, the, the, I and think, therefore violated every sacred rule. I think key to a lot of this. Now, some of this happened after he was elected, so he got elected during the but, transition. Yeah, yeah, but leading up to the election, I think it was just he was a joke of a candidate. He's going to lose. You know, 40 states, it's a joke. Can you believe the Republicans nominated this guy? Let's get him. So it didn't really matter um, following the various rules. Although I think that, that, that administrations over time have probably gotten sloppier and sloppier and sloppier. I mean, we all know it's well known that if you ask the FISA court for a chance to spy on a U.S. citizen, they give it to you every time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You were talking about that last hour, and I think you made an excellent point that you know, it reminds me of the joke cops make sometimes, you know, uh, why'd you pull me over? What's your probably, probable cause? Probably because I wanted to. You know, that's the cop joke. <laughs> Meaning, I'll, may, I'll, I'll find a reason. There are, you know, 672 different traffic violations you might be guilty of. All right, let's see. Uh, uh, illegal lane change. I think a cop told us one time there are 17,000. Yeah, okay. Every, everything yeah. from a broken taillight cover to your sticker being crooked on your license plate to left of center swerving. I mean, they could claim you that. What are you going to say? Sure. No, I wasn't. Yes, you were. Well, that's the end of that. Well, discussion. the FBI, so anyway. FBI's got the similar sort of situation with getting a warrant to listen to your phone calls. Right. The FISA court having approved every single application. Is that right? Yeah, it's like 99.7% or something. Yeah. Okay. Um, because, because they can do... You talk, Joe Getty talks to a guy who talks to somebody who, who, who's been investigated for insurance fraud. That's good enough to listen to your phone calls. Right. Right. So they play so fast and loose with the rules. Uh, they finally got so uh, aggressive and, and, uh, and careless because they figured Hillary would get elected and she would never pursue this stuff, her administration, that they finally went over the line. So do you think there's any chance? With Jonathan Turley, a straight shooter, writing something as strong as he just did, the fact that The Hill published it, because that's that's definitely a left-leaning publication. Generally, although they do opinion pieces from the right. The fact that George Stephanopoulos did question Joe Biden about it and not let him get away with his answer. That means something. Do you think there's a chance this catches on with the New York Times, Washington Posts of the world? Yes, yeah, it's not a great chance. I'm not super enthusiastic. Um, I'm going to watch the stock for another week before I buy it. But yeah, there's a decent chance. Saw this headline in the New York Times. Actually, the tease was a little more exciting. 
uh, the judge in the Michael Flynn case, in an unprecedented action, has appointed an outside judge to take on the Justice Department, which is very strange. And even the you know far left, utterly ridiculous lately, New York Times says, um, <clears throat> da, 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 da. Judge Emmett G. Sullivan's appointment of the former judge was an extraordinary move in a case with acute political overtones. Uh, Mr. Well, then they give the, the outline of the story. Um, judge A appointed Judge B <clears throat> to explore the possibility that by trying to withdraw his pleas, Mr. Flynn opened himself to perjury charges. I will explain. I'm, how do I do it? I, I'm going to do it Joe style. I was trying to. I was thinking about doing it completely neutrally, but I'm going to tell you what I think. Prosecutors do this all the time. Scrupulous prosecutors do it fairly. Unscrupulous prosecutors do it unscrupulously all the time. They exert pressure. They use leverage, threats, fear, etc., to get you to plead to something. Sometimes it's legit. Sometimes it saves the expense of a trial. You realize, all right, I've done something. I need to be punished. I'm not against plea bargaining in general. But often, if you are powerless or you don't have enough money or you have the full weight of the federal government coming down on you, they will terrify you or, in the case of General Flynn, threaten to prosecute your son for something totally unrelated, which is incredibly unethical, according to everyone. They did that to Flynn. They strong-armed him into pleading guilty to making false statements to federal officials. Now that he's said he's got new lawyers and all, and he said, no, you know what? What was done to me is completely unfair. I pled out because I was terrified, but I want to fight it now. The judge is trying to say now that, well, wait a minute. By pleading guilty, you committed perjury. Which is, uh, uh, that's the sort of thing that led to the American Revolution and the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, because that sort of hinky crap went on in the King's England all the time. When we were torturing you, you said you were a witch. Now you say you're not a witch. So, okay, maybe you're not a witch, but you committed perjury by claiming you, you were a witch. I mean, can you imagine that? And this judge appointing another judge to take on the, the uh, Justice Department? It's insane. I'll end with this quickly. Donald Trump tweeted uh, just a couple of minutes ago. If I were a senator or congressman, the first person I would call to testify about the biggest political crime and scandal in the history of the USA by far is former President Obama. He knew everything. Do it at Lindsey Graham. Just do it. No more Mr. Nice Guy. No more talk. So he's asking the chair of the Judicial Committee to <laughs> To go after Barack Obama at the very top. Obama! This could, I don't, I don't know that that will, I, I doubt that ever happens, but this could end up being hearings leading right up to the election, talking to former Obama officials, and that'll be yes. quite the TV show. Yes. They'll never get him for executive privilege reasons. I'm thinking this through even as I speak. Um, but they'll talk to a bunch of people on, from, uh, from his White House. On the other hand, if you subpoena Comey and McCabe and Strzok and Page... And Clapper, oh my God! And all those Brennan, people, all those people, and coming, Biden, all those people coming up again, right? But this time uh, from a different angle, right? Well, that'll be something. Uh, yeah. Jeez. Well, and their their refusal to testify and the battles in the courts over that will be news enough that wow. I think it will light the brush fire. Our text line is four one five two nine five KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. 
The Armstrong and Getty Show. Fright is sounding the alarm on Capitol Hill this morning. In testimony, the ousted vaccine expert will warn lawmakers that, quote, our window of opportunity is closing. He will say if we fail to develop a national coordinated response based in science, I fear the pandemic will get far worse and be prolonged, causing unprecedented illness and fatalities. Bright will say that without decisive action, quote, 2020 will be the darkest winter in modern history. Now, Bright. Well, that's fairly strong talk. That's some good panic porn. That guy, Rick Bright, he lost his job in the government. Uh, he was a um, vaccine official, and apparently he, oh, didn't... he was transferred to a less auspicious post. Well, that's right. You know, I shouldn't fall for that crap because I point it out all the time. When the media says somebody in government lost their job, which means usually means they either retired with their full pension or they just got moved to a different department right where they continue to get their salary and their lifetime pension and health care that i pay for i mean if we got shoved to the overnights i wouldn't be happy about it but how about different than losing your how about if your pay stays the same and you get lifetime health care and a pension i'll get over yeah i'll be i'll be just fine oh i got fired whatever god that's just amazing anyway this guy, Rick Bright, apparently he's going to be on 60 Minutes Sunday night because he's uh, being portrayed as a whistleblower, claiming that he got kicked out because he didn't go along with one of, one of Trump's drugs that he was promoting or whatever. Yeah, but he resisted. Yeah. I'm not, I didn't even bring it up for those reasons. You'll hear about that on 60 Minutes, and maybe we'll be talking about it on Monday. But the fact that he's going to testify today that 2020 will be the most devastating winner in modern history. Because of uh, not getting a vaccine going in the right direction or whatever. is uh, We need a something. national coordinated response. Yes. Anywho, either it is or it isn't. I hope he's wrong. Yeah, I hope he's wrong, too. Listen, this guy, he probably he might have a legit gripe or two. But, you know, and, and you understand this if you're not looking to score partisan points. In, in a little life experience, we, we knew a guy once, a very smart guy, and he had some, uh, some gripes against the people running the place. Uh, and what sort of place it is doesn't really matter, but just like this uh, bright guy. Um, but he expressed them obnoxiously and repeatedly. And finally, they got rid of him. Not because he was wrong, but because he was obnoxious. <laughs> and we don't know about this, Rick. But of course, he's being portrayed as a saint. As a saint and a sage and a philosopher and a, and a savior of souls. Because he's anti-Trump. We don't know about this guy. Has the administration been perfect? No, like every administration, they've made plenty of mistakes. They've you know fumbled the ball. We need to do better. We need to learn from it, et cetera. But the media's obsession with A, terrifying you, and B, everything anti-Trump. Just, God, you tire my hiney out. You know, I'm not a very good libertarian in a number of ways, in that I'm regularly calling for the death penalty for a number of crimes. And <laughs> most libertarians don't think you should have a death penalty even for the worst of crimes. But these people who keep attacking store employees for saying you need to wear a mask i want the death penalty for them mm. some some dudes attacked this target employer who said you can't be in target this target without a mask attacked her and broke her arm oh for god's sake yeah death they penalty. got thir- i'm fine with that death I'll penalty give for 30 them. years i'm the merciful one joe's the kind one 30 years <laughs> hard labor what the freak is wrong with you people of course that guy got killed in wherever it was at some store for trying to enforce the mask thing. Jeez. 
Yeah. They're, they work there. They're told they're not allowed, supposed to allow anybody in without a mask. What do you want them to do? Yeah, I know. Well, hey, do we have time? Yeah, not to mention that wearing a mask is a pretty darned good idea for not spreading or getting the virus. Play me, play me clip number one, Sean, would you? Get out! All right, that's a fight at a Red Lobster. Some customer who was fed up with a three-hour wait. They ran out of the cheesy bread. Uh, No, she was fed up with a three-hour wait, went berserk, fought an employee, yanked her hair. Um, Sorry, you know how I am as a libertarian. Death penalty. (laughs) She thought that the fist fight would make the wait shorter? She just went nuts. I've gotten mad before and left, and... But I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to hurt anybody. It's not. You know. You're not going to, for instance, fight the cook at a Waffle House, <laughs> no matter how your eggs are done. Maybe four or five times, but not six or seven, <laughs> like the story the other day. Armstrong and Getty.